Are you ready? <laughs> He's just looking at his phone. Matthew 23. Oh, we're on. <laughs> it's like I'm just getting out of the shower, Dad. Already ended. <laughs> My boyfriend's here to meet. Okay. Um, Matthew 23. Look out. Lock. Look a flick out. <laughs> I know I'm not going to. I I mean, I have like essays of questions yeah. so it might just be a discussion it's escalating point. now i mean yeah. it's getting closer to his death he wants to save them and he knows it's it's not happening so now he's be now he's gonna lay down words that people can't believe come from jesus who's supposed to be nice and and always kind and never judging mm. and they always use that in our world would jesus do that Yes, he would. <laughs> Let's read. What do you have? Okay, so Jesus warn starts with him warning the crowds and disciples to be wary of what the Pharisees say. Don't do what they preach. Yeah, this is a this is a this is like saying don't do what Trump says in the Roman Empire. Oh, I mean, wow. it's like don't do what President Nielsen of the Mormon Church said. It's like someone standing up and saying yeah. don't do what they do. Wow. Like What's a he? bishop of the Mormon church saying, don't listen to the prophet. Yeah, and he's throwing fire and wood and fuel upon to get them to really get him. Wow. Yeah. Th throwing fuel on the Pharisees. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Be because he wants them to kill him. Yeah. He does want that. Yeah. Okay. He knows it's part of the call. I should say God knows that. But keep going. Uh, he's just doing it because God wants that. Yeah. He doesn't. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, do you think he like he like is aware that he's trying to make them kill him? Yeah, I think he says, "I don't say anything that my father doesn't tell me to say." So everything he's saying is what God is is speaking through him. Okay. So yeah, he knows, but his flesh will later on, and we'll get to this. Say, you know, if this doesn't have to happen, you know, <laughs> if there's another way to do this, do, do you think? Do you think we could change it? There's no change in it. <laughs> That is funny. Yeah. I love that about him because yeah. it shows he, he, he wasn't like some uh, zealot, maniacal, crazy man who wanted to die. Yeah. He knew what was coming, and his flesh was like, Father, yeah, it's not my will, but yours be done. Yeah, that is a critical fact, critical. fact that he's like that. Yeah. It's critical. Yeah. Anyway, we're back okay. to the chapter. Oh, keep going. Okay, so... There's a lot of thoughts, but they, they, he's saying they don't, the Pharisees don't do what they preach. They tie up heavy loads and put them on other people's shoulders. Yeah. There's so many, I, I don't want to read the whole chapter to everybody, but, um, they burden uh, people. They burden people. Yeah. And first of all, it's just really satisfying, just as a superficial note, to like read this as like principles back then that I would, I feel like I inherently understand maybe because I've been raised by you or something, but like, and I just, sometimes I question like, is that just morality or something? Like he literally describes like selfishness. Yeah. And in the religious in mind. The, yeah. And like to put loads on someone else's shoulders. That's the, that is like the first thing that he says about them as like, I don't know. That's how I've always understood sin. You, you 
put the weight on someone else. You take the time from them mm-hmm. or whatever that is, you know? Yeah. So. And they do it in the name of God. You have to dress this way. You have to eat this way. You have to obey the Sabbath day this way. Oh, my god. He gosh. says, you've done nothing but burden sheep that need to be fed. And that's all you have to do. You have to use chapter 22 yeah. to assess all religious leaders. What do they do for the people? And do they burden them in any way? Because if they do, they are out of harmony with Jesus. It like It's really shocking because without having read this, you could think like, they're a pastor. They, they're doing some good. They run the church. They like... They need to put these burdens on to keep it going. Like, I always kind of post-rationalize and think, like, is it that big of a deal? But, like... It's huge. It's huge. It's huge. Yeah, I guess you want to think, like, give them the benefit of the doubt. But it's like, when you're a pastor, it's not a business. It's not any... And it shouldn't be. But it's become one. Because they don't understand eschatology. By the way, Isaiah prophesies that the Messiah will come to set the captives free, to open the prison door to them that are bound, to Mm. seek out the lost sheep and bind up their wounds and heal them, and to give sight to the blind. And all of these things are the pictures of what pastors should be doing. He's flipping and he's saying, you have preyed upon the sheep. Mm. Burden them, yeah. People, like, only associate going to church with, guilt and responsibility like that's what you think about when you hear church that is so backward it's terrible it the but like the other side of it is like there is a guilt and responsibility that comes with hearing the truth well well, that that's different that's different so he's talking about material burdens material okay not obey the law law. yeah okay so Something that was also really clarifying is that he says that first, and then he describes it materially. So it's like he says, "You put, you tie up heavy loads and put them on people's shoulders." That's the thing that's wrong. Okay. And then he's like, "That you make your phylacteries." <laughs> what is that? Phylacteries. <laughs> oh no. What is it, Dad? What is it? <laughs> Oh no, what did it's I do? It's the condom. <laughs> it's funny, but that's a name for condoms that people will use. Now. You're kidding. No. Isn't it a book? Yeah, it's what it is. It's a, a oh, box. box. It's oh, a no. box that goes on the forehead. You make your phylacteries <laughs> and they write the law because your law is supposed to be on your mind. So materially, literally did that. Put it on their yeah. mind. So if you ever see an Ortho- have you ever seen an Orthodox Jew with a box on his head? Yeah. And they have them. They strap them on their head. Yeah. Those are the phylacteries. Uh, <laughs> but they call them condoms now? That's what they're called? Condoms no, are called? No, prophylactics. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I got mixed up on my words. <laughs> I yeah, thought, like the prophylactic you got there on your forehead. <laughs> um, I'm getting old. The... They make those wide, the tassels on their garments long. Yeah. Look at me. You know, the normal phylactery could have been smaller. We've gotten to the point, you know, the borders were important. Now they're making um, everything accentuated materially. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like a, it's like a side effect of tying up heavy loads and putting them on people's shoulders. Yeah. It's like I'm... 
the type to read that and be like, okay, those are like material signs of someone doing wrong. And it's like, no, they're just descriptions of tying the heavy load and putting it on someone's shoulders. Like that is, the principle is what's incorrect. Right, but right? in response, see what they do is they put burdens on people, right? But they themselves adorn themselves with more and more outward signs uh. of righteousness. So that it looks like they have the right to burden the people. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, so today we have pontiffs wearing gold-pointed hats with, yeah. you know, and we have Armani suit-wearing yeah. general authorities, and we have the, all the outward stuff. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden of the fig leaves. Yeah. There's no fruit. Yeah. You're covering yourself and pretending to be something. Okay? Yeah. Okay, so, but... It's just to say, it's like an obvious point, but something that I still have a hard time with, which is, it's not the literal box on the head that's incorrect. It's them doing this stuff to present a certain thing about themselves. It's not the literal, like, length of the robe or whatever. No, it's just what the literal length means to their heart. Yeah. Yeah. Obvious, but also not um okay keep going we, I, hold on. <laughs> come on chop chop <laughs> oh, oh and then i the other part of that i mean there's so much but the other part of it is you aren't to be called rabbi he finishes this up with you aren't to be called rabbi you have one teacher and it like so the issue is there doing all this stuff and placing the heavy load on other people's shoulders when they're like it sorry it is just not humble and he ends it with like the way to realize what you're doing how what you're doing is incorrect is by referring to the thing that is correct which is there is a one teacher i don't know I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Everything he says through that whole chapter... It's all referring to human... ...is indicting to their pride. Yeah, to their pride, yeah. right. And he's telling them, don't refer to each other as masters and rabbis. Yeah. You have one master here. Don't call uh, your pastor father. You know, it doesn't mean you don't call someone father, but it yeah. will say, don't call your someone father. It just yeah. means don't put somebody above God. Don't let them do that. So... Don't use your titles to elevate yourself. And that's why I hate to be called pastor. Yeah. It I guess I was trying to say took me forever, but I it makes a really really specific and clear example of what humility is. Yeah. Like I I feel like I have wondered that like what cuz humility can look like a lot of different things or yeah, like humility false humility. Can be, fault can be pride. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. And but that is a really specific description of yeah. what humility is. And the way to really register it is by thinking it's not like calling yourself rabbi, that's the right. issue. It's that there's one rabbi. Like, why right. would you do that? Because there's the one. Right. So, yeah. anyway, um, we can move on because we are halfway through already. The next, unless you want to, do you with have 22? more to say? Uh, with 23. Oh. We're halfway through our time. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm ready, I'm ready to go. <laughs> Keep going. Wait, do you have more to say on that part? No, because I, I was conflating 22 and 23 together. 
It's 23 where he goes off on him and calls yeah. him. Yeah. Okay. Woes, the seven oh, woes. Okay, the seven woes. Yeah. Let's like, get to it. Talk about the seven woes. I, my, my real, there's so much said. My question was really, like, is there a structural significance like the Beatitudes? I don't think there's so. Like there a, could be. I haven't studied it, perhaps, because as strange as this may sound and most people might not believe it, he, God seems to do everything according to patterns and systems. And it's not just my, because that's how I think. You find that in the Beatitudes. He doesn't just willy-nilly throw out different principles. But sometimes it seems like he does because remember these guys are recording it from memory and by the spirit. Yeah. So how the order they put it in, sometimes it's all messed up. Yeah. So I don't know, but okay. all I do know is what he says is literally important. Woe unto you, vipers. So what are the seven woes? There's a lot. Uh, I might have written them down. Well, teachers, in, it was always to the teachers of law and the Pharisees. Those are the wo- the woes are all to them. And I want to remind you, and I want to remind our audience, Jesus never heaped anything upon apparently the woman caught in adultery. That that text is questionable in terms of authenticity. He never called out child molesters. He said it's better that you don't hurt a child. Yeah, and that's true. But that could be referring to new disciples. He never called out homosexuals. He never called out sinners. He said, I didn't come out to condemn you. I came to save you. But he called out religious leaders without pulling back. He called them out big time. Let's be the same. But it's Jesus that did it. It's like he had the right to do it. For us to do it seems tricky. If you're in the spirit of, of him and somebody is purposely leading other people astray and away from God, so when they enter into the kingdom, they think they're clothed and they're not, you're doing them a favor in love by saying you need to understand the truth and what you're getting from that religion is not the truth. Do I judge that religion? Have a, You want to go to it? Go. But I'm telling you what the biblical truth is, and you're not getting it there. Your works of righteousness are not going to clothe you where God's going to be impressed. He isn't going to say, okay, you did this, did this, did this, did this. I'm impressed. Come in. No, it's, that's the thing. It's the opposite. He gave himself and his son to die for all that, that you look to him and you place your faith in him and him alone. And this stuff is opposite. So I will stand and defend speaking against people who put others in bondage all day long. Yeah. It, I've wondered if it's like, you know, the the people who are being put in bondage have a will of their own. Of course. But they need to have discernment. Yes. But, like, yeah, when you're, like, those people were brought to Jesus maybe by the influence of people. So as a new Christian, it's really hard to, like, it's just really hard. And listening to certain people and how much they refer to their pastors, it's like, I totally am with you. I just wondered. I don't think we should look at this. I think we need to keep talking about this principle and do another part on this chapter. But listen, God, according to scripture, said, we're going to do away with organized religion here. We're going to do away with all the rites and rituals and all the Jewish material religion. I'm going to write my laws on the hearts and minds of those who are mine. 
along the way we justify people inserting themselves again yeah yeah because we say well they need it but god left the holy spirit in charge of his church through the hands of men for a bride that had to be pure and holy and without spot who were of his own and then with gentiles so that specifically to that time was very very important for that to happen but once he came back as the scripture says he was going to take her and she would be his bride in the new jerusalem then everybody else flows unto it how by the spirit so all the things that we say we need to do missionary missionary outreach missionary outreach <laughs> and uh all the other things that churches build up mission trips and clothing and tithes and sabbath day and health codes and abortion and homosexuality it's all reverting back to religion that's what it's doing it's going back and it's saying we need to get rid of this open free love bit about jesus and trusting in god because there's so many people who claim they know him and they're just sinful mm. we need to say hey that's not in our hands we don't need to do anything you can teach them if they want but it's an individual walk and there are individuals walking in different cities who are far more sinful, I mean, far more righteous than people who are church attending every week for their whole life. It's not the outward. It's never been the outward. It's the inward reliance of faith on what he did, not on what you do. Churches forget that and they say, okay, now that you've accepted him, you need to, and it is complete religion. So what he's saying to them then, I believe he will say to every religionist who insert their way in mm -hmm. and suggest that anything else is necessary than faith and love. Mm -hmm. Anything beyond faith and love is an addition of a burden. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's how serious it is for a church to step in and suggest that in order for people to be right, that they do something else. It's a lie. And it's for them. And look, at I've done church and I know if you do it the right way, you can be set for life and make millions and, 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 and put people. And, and it looks like you're doing something good, yeah. but it's not how God thinks. Well, luckily, I think there is some general awareness that that is ridiculous now. Hopefully. Do you think... You think? No, I think, I mean, no. we have people we know closely who think you got to go to church every week and do what the pastor says and belong to the church in order to be right with God. And you got to yeah. go to the church. And God says, hey, man, I'm writing my laws on your heart. If you seek me, I'm going to be with you. Yeah. Yeah. But like by, like, doesn't it seem like general belief in like the religion in general is just going down because of people realizing it's hoax in some ways it's going down on certain generations but in other ways the most legalistic churches oh. are growing yeah that's true yeah the, because on they both ends, both ends yeah. are both growing but the way he set it up is not yeah it's like the uber right and uber left yes types of churches yeah. are getting big and neither way will work because yeah. the uber liberal just say well i believe i'm fine yeah. that is not what the scripture yeah. says so if men and women are going to do anything to help the faith, it's just teach. Yeah. It's just teach what the word says and let people 
decide yeah. for themselves. But the Uber uh, right, yeah. I mean, you've got to toe the line, man. Yeah. We're in the last days. He's coming. And yeah. they think they're the bride. Yeah. And so they put the law back on like the Pharisees. And yeah. they burden the people to be right through their own works. Yeah. It's not that. Ever. Yeah. 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 Uber left is this is. It's called hyper grace. It's not. Yeah. Like, but also legalistic in like the same way it's legalistic. On the right. Socially and culturally, yeah. like, with how you approach other people and you should be doing that. It, it's also of the flesh, the yeah, uber left. right. That's they say, I mean. like, we should rejoice in homosexuality. Yeah, right. And like, if you say, listen, the scripture's clear. If you're homosexual, God loves you and he's died for you and you're okay in yeah. that because it's not your flesh. But don't parade yourself in pride. If you say that, the Uber left says, you're not a Christian. Yeah, I haven't really thought about that. But it seems like there's a dwindling of a sort of middle of the road, people that go to church and just like leave it there. That's sort of dwindling. Those people just don't go. But there's a resurgence of the really gnarly ones. Yes. And the really gnarly ones can be captured in the word Calvinism. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because they are the gnarly ones. They're, yeah. They are the Pharisees of our day. Yeah. And they walk about and they say, what do you believe? Oh, well, you're going to hell. Yeah, it's so, yeah. just like on the surface, it's just annoying. Oh, it's like... just so not God, so not Jesus. And they really, by the law, they go about and they judge you by the law. Same same thing as the scribes and Pharisees did. Putting the load on other people's yes. shoulders. Yeah. Yeah, like... Asking someone a question at all that needs them to validate their status with God. Yeah. At all. Asking that question at all is like. Who are you? Unreal. Yeah. 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 And it's like, you know, you ask some crippled, old, homeless, disabled person who really, I mean, I've talked to them. They love God and they try to trust in faith in him and they're weak in their flesh and sin and stuff. They are far more justified before God than the one who stands there and says, why I pay tithes. Jesus gives a parable of that. He says two men go to the temple. One can't even lift his eyes up. And the other one says, why look at me? And God says, the other one is more justified. You know, and the, the pharisaical mindset of religion is endless. And it's there with Calvinism. And here's the problem with it. Calvinism says God will elect you. Well, guess what? What do you do if you want to prove to others that God has elected you? You start to get right in your flesh. You start to, the, and then you start to judge. It is the same thing as in yeah, scripture. that's a really good point. But on the other hand, you, we got to throw out the liberal uh, uh, yeah. grace is uh, just everything. And God loves everybody kumbaya yeah. because the parable he told in chapter 22, yeah. he says, look, you're going to show up and you're not going to be clothed and you're going out. So that's got to go too. Yeah. But it's faith and love. That's what it is. Faith and love. Yeah. There's a, they both, it's literally really similar to just politics where they both usurp like one side of the coin too much. Hence the gravitational pull from each side to those political parties. It's like, before I really worked that way and now I'm starting to see how ridiculous that is to associate it, it just is like, um, 
proving that it's just like a part of your nature or something. You just prefer life that way. Yeah. And so you're choosing your religion and your politics and your friends all to be in the same sort of way of thinking. You create your own God. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 man. It is really back down and look to him alone. All right. Well, we should stop this one and start for, we'll keep it going in the next. 